So this is part of the series that Steve started last week um, about how we build um, emotionally resilient, trauma-resilient communities. And I get to talk about love. I know. Isn't that hilarious? Um, uh, so, uh, so we're going to do a bit of thinking around that today. Uh, love, relationships, and uh, community. We are contagious, which is probably a really inappropriate thing to say at the moment. Um, but we are contagious as people. I'm sure you've had the experience, some of you, of... Well, I remember this at school when uh, in an assembly, if someone started laughing, then we all started laughing. Or if you've been walking down the street and unfortunately you have seen someone fall over. Anyone? What's your reaction? Oh, you rotters. You horrible, horrible people. You, you kind of start laughing. You see someone slip on the ice, you giggle. And if you're next to someone who's giggling, you start giggling. What about this one? You go home. Your partner is at home. You open the front door and immediately you know. You haven't said a word. Nothing has been spoken. But there is an atmosphere. Anyone ever had that? Oh, yes. <laughs> like, there, oh, yes. There is an atmosphere. Something, something is wrong. And we pick it up. You can tell at work if the boss is in a mood when they walk into the meeting and everyone else picks up that mood. We are contagious. Why is it? It's because our emotions function on an open loop system. Yeah? So if I was here and I was really grumpy, by the end of this talk, you would all feel really, really grumpy. Hopefully that's not going to happen. But our emotions function on an open loop system. Laughter, moods. Our brains, our brains, we need each other for this dynamic of feeling like how you are is how I am. Our brain, just hold your hand up if you will, make a fist like that and pop your little thumb under it like that and then your fingers over the top. So this area of your brain, limbic area, that's where you get moody. Yeah, that's like, ah, I want to punch them in the head. Anyone ever feel like doing that? That part of the brain, <laughs> that part of the brain, okay? That's where our emotions are, are, are like driven from. That's where we make those connections with other people emotionally. That bit of your brain, it's called the prefrontal cortex. That bit, that's how we manage that. You ever heard that expression, flipping your lid? Yeah? It's because this bit's overtaking that bit. You lose it. You lose your rack. Our emotions, we get our emotions, we understand our emotions through others. We rely on the connections we have and the interactions we have with others for our emotional stability. 
Even our emotions are dependent on our relationship with others. Or what about this? That when we practice being compassionate towards others, there's something that changes in our brains that helps us manage our stress. When we show kindness to others, it literally transforms our sense of well-being. We are hardwired. It's as if we are built with this divine essence of belonging to one another. Like, my well-being is literally dependent on my kindness towards others. My emotional stability, my ability to manage how I am, is dependent on my interactions with others. They've checked it all out using brain scans. But there's also this, that the impact of a mom and a child, the nurturing, positive relationship, where there's warmth and support, where a child doesn't hear that, oh, I wish you would shut up, I wish you'd never be... When a child doesn't hear any of that, but hears love and warmth and support, it helps that child have greater levels of self-worth and self-esteem. Literally, love builds strength and foundation into us. Love that's characterized by trust and consistency, and it makes us feel safe. A loving, nurturing relationship. It's as if built into our very being is this divine essence of us belonging to each other. A friend of ours is called uh, Dr. Wayne Hammond. He's doing some work with us. And he's done lots and lots of research into um, young people and what they need to survive and to flourish. And he was doing some work in one particular school. And he discovered that there was a whole crowd of the young um, lads in the school. And their significant relationship that gave them safety and a sense of belonging was with the caretaker. The caretaker. And it was enough to propel them to a good life. We are made for goodness through our relationship with one another. Nurturing is necessary for us. Love is necessary for us. Some of you will know that this is a picture of my foot. If you've never seen the side of my foot before, it is a very tiny tattoo. It's a tiny tattoo and it says, 
Teshlim. Teshlim. Why do I show you this? Because I've just told you three illustrations which are about how we are absolutely connected with each other for our own sense of well-being and a good life. And I've said that it's like because we're kind of, somehow it's divinely imprinted in us. And this is that word that comes out of that reading that we had in Genesis chapter 1. That we are made in the image. We are image bearers of the divine. The divine. This community of love. We are bearers of the image of the divine community of love. Love for self. Love for others. Love for God. But there's this. The wrong idea has taken root in the world. And the idea is this. There just might be some lives out there that matter less than others. The wrong idea has taken root in the world. There might just be some lives out there that matter less than others. You see, we have, don't we, we have a culture, a value system where it's about me first and it's me, me, me. It's rampant, rampant individualism. It's like Darwinism on speed. We've taken that whole concept of the survival of the fittest and like ramped it up where it's about winning and competing and being the best and being on top at any cost individually. Our mobile phones give us our own private world, our cell that we inhabit and we forget that we are made to belong to each other. We have singular living, people like me living on our own in a one-bedroom flat, and it is rampant. The family unit has been reduced where we have people just living in small little groups rather than this sense of it takes a village to raise a child. And what's happened in this kind of rampant individualism is that we've ended up fearing people who are different, fearing the other. But what if we nurtured? What if we understood the caretaker? You see, even atomic physicists now are clear that the atom is not an isolated, independent entity but a set of relationships, reaching out to others. Like hardwired into the very essence of life is this reality that we belong to each other. And that small section from Genesis chapter 1 reminds us of that. Our whole well-being is wrapped up in our belonging to each other. Why does it matter? 
open loop prefrontal cortex, atomic physicists, the nurturing relationships, our tattoos and our image bearers, and it matters because of this. Feeling unloved and unlovable is a threat to our survival. It is trauma. It is trauma. Every single one of us has a story, an experience, or experiences of threat to our survival. I could tell you about um, the boy that will always stick in my head who uh, did a piece of homework for me years ago when I was a teacher and wrote um, this postcard to God. I was an RE teacher, it was a really cool homework. <laughs> Uh, wrote a postcard to God and handed it into me. And as I read it through, I realized that there was something much more going on in what he'd written. And it simply said this, Dear God, why, when I go to sleep at night, do I have to hear my mum and my stepdad saying that I wish I'd never been born? Every single one of us has a story. And feeling unloved and unlovable is a threat to our survival. There's a story that's taken root that suggests that some people are of less value than others. Or I could tell you about the boy who any time you near, walked near him would pick up the table and throw it at you, the desk. And then you discover that he used to get locked under the stairs. Or I could tell you about my dad leaving. Every single one of us has a story, an experience or experiences of threats to our survival. And what trauma does, what threat does, is it leaves its fingerprints all over our mind and our bodies, and I would add, our communities. And it gets expressed in our behaviors. So let me just tell you, just for a moment, a little bit about what that looked like for me. I'm going to move this. I know that's probably a bad thing for anyone who's watching. But I've put a little cross on the floor down here. And um, I want you to imagine that um, the experience of my dad leaving is here, right, in this space. And for anyone who has ever experienced a loss like that, what it felt like for me was um, that everything was fine. I just pushed it away. Until a few years down the line, I realized I didn't really trust anyone. <laughs> and I was actually supremely insecure. And I actually was always kind of seeking some affirmation. And I was always kind of people-pleasing. And I was maybe just a little bit careless about myself. 
And what I came to realize was that it was affecting the way I was behaving. That when you are seeking affirmation, it works its way out in the way you interact with others. And when you are a people pleaser, you end up being used. And all of those things, can you see? And then I, uh, I sat down with someone some, one day, and he just said, well, there's some work to do. There's some work to do. There's some chores. So you begin to work on it. You begin to work on it. And this is the biggest factor. As I began to work on those things, I realized that the biggest factor was the involvement of others. That for me to become the person that I really wanted to be, this work was about others. Because somehow, divinely, we are created to belong to each other. I need others. Others. When that boy in that table, that little kid in my class, he used to do these things where he would uh, push people away. Push people away. When we have experienced threat, we can push people away. Silence is one of the tricks that I've used. Hiding, withdrawal. We might move towards people. We might people please, like I just described. We like, might move against. We might be aggressive, retaliate, and use our power. They are all things that we do. And here's what I've discovered with all of those things that it creates disconnection, and disconnection is really exhausting. <laughs> disconnection is really exhausting. So God created humanity in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. And God saw all that he had made and it was really good. You see, we need others to help us find our way out of what's difficult. Our healing is found in our kinship. It's the very thing that we want to push away. It's the very thing that we want to fight against. People reaching out for us. But our healing is found in our kinship. Our healing 
is found in our kinship. Mother Teresa said this, if we have no peace, it is because we have forgotten that we belong to each other. If we say we have no peace, it is because we have forgotten that we belong to each other. Kinship, kindness, love, unrelenting love towards others. In that other reading we had, which was John 17, there's this phrase that came out, this thing that that I think is really powerful. I pray that they may be one just as we are one. It's like Jesus is whispering that we would re-remember our kinship, our belonging to each other. And that's not about convenience. Kinship is not about convenience. It's not about pity. It's not about feeling sorry for people. It's not about viewing people as projects for us to work on. It is about kinship, belonging, love. It is about being seen. Some of you will have heard this before. This is a phrase from a particular part of um, Africa where the greeting is, I see you, to which the response is, anyone? I am here. It's not like London, all right? It's like, I see you. Can you imagine the difference it would make in our communities, in our schools, in our prisons, in our parliament, if the reaction we had to each other was, I see you. I see what happened. To which the person is, I'm here. I'm here. And because you've seen me and because I'm here, now we can begin. It's not about convenience. You can't see people if they're a project, if they're a volunteering opportunity. This is about kinship. It's about belonging. It's the divine essence of who we are. If we haven't got any peace, it's because we've forgotten that we belong to each other. How do we see people? We begin by recognizing that no one is a problem that needs to be solved. No one is a problem that needs to be solved. We see people when we give them our time. We see people when we don't just squeeze them into our schedules. We see people when it is so inconvenient for us. That's kinship. That's kinship. 
when someone can't calm themselves down because their brains are firing off and they are losing the plot and it's called dysregulation and all that stuff is happening and you're a kid in the school and you can't keep calm. All you need is for someone to say, I see you. And for some of us, that's what we need. It's for people to see us. And because of that, you can say, I am here. Let this begin. I pray that you, they may be one just as you and I are one. I am here. Our healing, our wholeness, requires at least one other brain. Our healing, as a community, our wholeness, requires that we understand that we belong to each other. The invitation of God is towards our divine essence. The invitation of God is towards our divine essence. Just before Christmas, when um, we were talking about doing the Christmas meal, there was all the, like, who wants to come and help? And that was the language, you know. Who wants to come and help serve the Christmas meal? And I am embarrassed by my notion of this now but I was like yeah I want to go and help I want to help people who probably maybe don't have what I would be doing under normal circumstances on this day that's not kinship <laughs> can, can you see and here's what I'm embarrassed about that I went with the attitude of I'm here to help. Let me tell you what happened. I got helped. I went with the attitude of I'm going to help. And what happened was I got helped. I became more human. There's a particular... Um, cultures where when um, they see a priest, um, they will ask the priest to bless them. And they will do that by um, grabbing hold of the priest's hand and forcing the priest to lay his hand on their head. And as that hand is on their head, they hold tight onto the priest's arm, almost like pulling the blessing out of him. But here's the thing, I think it kind of pulls a blessing back. Like, we literally belong to each other, and we are holding tight to each other. How do you build resilient communities? We remember that we belong to each other. 
are there just like five or six people that would come and stand alongside me at the front? There's nothing weird going to happen. Don't worry. Anyone? Thanks, Caroline. Five or six people? Come, come. I get the drummer. Cool. So, is Andrew coming as well? Oh, he's going to the loop. <laughs> That's on the tape. Um, <laughs> it's kinship. Uh, so, we belong to each other. We belong to each other. We belong to each other. Ram Dass said this, we're all just walking each other home. All of us. And some days, some of us get it really right, and life's a breeze. And then other days it isn't. And things happen. And we're all just walking each other home. Together. Us. Us. This is it. <laughs> but we're walking each other home. And Jesus' prayer was this. May they be one. May they be one just as we are one. So I've got that tattoo on my foot. And when I first had it done, it was to remind me that I was an image bearer. And the more I've thought about it, I now understand that it's we are the image bearer. We are the image bearer. Us, together, characterized by love. Love that's patient and kind and doesn't hold on to wrong, isn't self-seeking, isn't jealous, doesn't fly off the handle, but it always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. Love never fails. So we need others, and it's this. This is what we've got. Let's pray. Thanks, guys. God, thank you that you created us. Us. May we never forget that we are walking each other home. And that together we can find healing and wholeness in and through and with you together. Amen.